0: Thank you for that prayer this morning, Jim. I appreciate it. Before I begin this morning, just want to make a couple of quick announcements. There's a table out in the foyer that you probably noticed. We'd love to have as many of you as possible participate in our missions conference flag ceremony on the last Sunday of this month. It'll be the last Sunday of February. That's when we will begin our conference this year, the last day to sign up for the flag ceremony is Friday the 9th, so this will be the last Sunday that you can do that. Second, um, next Sunday morning, is going to, we are going to place a special emphasis on the importance of the Bible. We are going to have the Gideons International do a 10-minute presentation during the service. We are going to take a special offering for them. And then I am going to preach a message next week on the importance of the Bible. You may remember this was scheduled for January 14th, but due to bad weather, we didn't have a service that day. So it has been rescheduled for next Sunday, February 11th. This morning we are continuing... In our series, our brand new series, in the book of Hebrews, I did an introductory message based on the first three verses last Sunday, and this week we're going to look at verses 4 through 14, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14, as we prepare our hearts this morning to take the Lord's Supper to share communion together. In verses 4 through 14, the writer of Hebrews says this, Having, speaking of Jesus, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited, is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers flames of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of a brightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Then to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Well, our first point this morning is the book of Hebrews and angels. I want to go back and just briefly share with you what I shared with you in the introductory message last week because it is critical to understanding verses 4 through 14. The theme of the book of Hebrews, the theme of the book of Hebrews is this Jesus Christ is superior to everyone and everything, including anything the Old Testament, the Old Covenant provided. And as we look into the future of the book of Hebrews, or we look at the rest of the book from a flyover view, from the big picture view, we see that Jesus is superior to angels. We see that Jesus is superior to Moses. We see that Jesus is superior to the Mosaic covenant. We see that Jesus is superior to the earthly tabernacle. We see that Jesus is superior to the Levitical priesthood. And we saw in the first three verses that Jesus is. He is the final prophet through whom God has spoken. He is the creator who made the universe. He is the heir of all things. He is the exact representation of God's glory. He is the upholder of all things. He is the savior who provided purification for sins. He is the great victor who sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Therefore... Therefore, verses 1 and 2, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but, but in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Jesus is superior to everyone and everything. And the writer of Hebrews starts out with showing his superiority To angels. Now, throughout the history of the Old Testament and throughout the history of the church, God's people have been fascinated with angels. The Hebrews were, the people of the church are, and it's understandable. Angels are fascinating beings. Back in 2006, I did a 10 part series. On angels and demons and it is fascinating it really is far I went back and reviewed some of my notes far more than anything I could share uh, with you this morning but what I do want to do is briefly very briefly share with you what the Bible says about angels angels are created beings they are holy they are powerful and they are wise They are specially created spirit beings, and they were made, created by God before he made man. In fact, they were watching in the heavens when God created the world. The Bible speaks a great deal about angels. There are 108 direct references to angels in the Old Testament, and 165 direct references to angels in the New Testament. The primary purpose of their creation was to render special worship and service to God. Remember that. The primary purpose for which God created angels was to render special worship and service to God. Angels are spirit beings... So they don't have flesh and bones, but they do have bodies. And whatever heavenly form angels have, they are capable of appearing in human form. And we see that numerous times in both the Old and New Testaments. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, we are warned to be careful how we treat strangers since we might be Entertaining angels unaware, we might be entertaining angels without knowing it. Angels are highly intelligent and have emotions. We see them being very emotional in their worship and praise of God. Angels do not marry, and they're unable to procreate. Angels are not subject to death. Scripture nowhere indicates that they die. A third of the angels, according to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, fell from heaven with Satan, Satan being an angel. And those angels that fell became demonic beings. And so we have always had this distinction between the heavenly angels and the demonic beings. Since angels were all created before man... They are therefore countless ages older than us. And according to John MacArthur, he thinks that they probably number in the trillions. Angels are more powerful than men and can act and move with incredible speed. You think the flash is fast? They are faster. They are very fast. Angels minister to God. And do his bidding. They are both spectators and participants in his mighty works. So there are special supernatural beings. That inhabit the universe. That inhabit the earth. That inhabit your world and my world. And they are called angels. But our second point this morning is that Jesus is superior to angels. The whole point of Hebrews 1 4 through 14 is that Jesus created angels, is superior to angels, and is worshiped by angels. So even though we are fascinated by them, and understandably so, I am, all kinds of questions about angels. But if you remember one thing when you leave this morning, I want you to remember this. Jesus created the angels. He is far superior to the angels and is worshipped by the angels. In verse 4, it says, Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Excuse me. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. To which of the angels did God ever call one of them his son? None of them. Not Michael or Gabriel, the two named archangels, who are probably best known of all the angels in the Bible. To neither one of them did he say, you are my son. But God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, his only, his one and only son into the world. God only has one son, and that son is Jesus. Verse 6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, Jesus being the firstborn, he says, let all God's angels worship him. When Jesus comes into the world, the Father says, Let all God's angels worship him. And your mind should immediately run back to Luke chapter 2, when the angel appeared to the shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night, and said, For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then with the angel appeared a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom God loves. And when the firstborn comes into the world who are some of the very first to worship and praise him exalt him and honor him even as a little baby. The angels are. The angels are. For that's why they were created and that's why they exist. Verse 7. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. There is no doubt they are fascinating beings. One writer said, he said, angels can be as forceful as the wind and as destructive as a bolt of lightning, a flame of fire. But they only do it when God specifically tells them to do it. And they are always, always humble and obedient and only do what God tells them to do. So they are fascinating, verse 8, but of the Son. But of Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Oh, but Jesus is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And he will rule the nations. He will rule the universe with a rod of iron. He will be the supreme ruler of all things. He is and one day actually will be the ruler of the entire universe verse 9 you Jesus have loved righteousness and hated wickedness therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions oh Jesus is the lover of righteousness Jesus himself is righteousness he is the hater of everything that is evil and everything that is wicked He has been anointed with the oil of gladness, the oil of joy, a joy and gladness which he gives to each and every man and woman who believe in him as Savior and Lord. Verses 10 through 12. And you, Lord, and you, Lord Jesus, is what it's saying, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you will remain they will all wear out like a garment like a roll excuse me like a robe you will roll them up like a garment they will be changed but you are the same and your years will have no end verses 10 through 12 are a great section on the immutability of god the immutability of jesus which we just looked at in our series on the attributes of god jesus never changes And he is compared to the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth are awesome. They inspire us. We are in awe of the heavens and the earth. But the writer of Hebrews compares them to a garment, a piece of clothing that is wearing out. And the current heaven and the current earth is going to wear out. They're going to disappear. And we read in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. But Jesus never changes. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never changes. Verse 13. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? We saw this last week at the end of verse 3. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, the place of highest authority in the entire universe. And when he sat down, it meant that he was the full and final sacrifice for sins. And it also meant that he had completely defeated sin and death and Satan. To which of the angels did he ever say that? Which of the angels can compare to that is what he's saying. In verse 14, of the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Fascinating verse. I remember going over this verse in that series on angels and demons. Angels are ministering spirits. Don't miss this sent out to serve for the sake of those who who are to inherit salvation. Do you know angels are constantly ministering to us, to those who have received Christ as Savior and Lord? Every day they are ministering to us in ways that we don't know about, in ways that we cannot even see. But they are doing God's bidding. They worship God. They serve God. And, And they serve us. People have often asked me, do you think that each of us have a guardian angel? And my answer is no, we don't have a guardian angel. We have lots of guardian angels. All the angels minister to you. They are ministering spirits sent out from God to minister to those who've inherited salvation. But if you ever were to meet an angel, I know what they would tell you. Focus all your attention on Jesus. Focus all your attention on Jesus. In Revelation chapter 19, excuse me, in verse 10, the Apostle John has received this amazing revelation from an angel. And he tries to bow down and worship the angel. And the angel immediately (laughs) says, stop, don't do that. He said, I am a fellow servant just like you. And then the angel says this, worship God and worship Jesus, who is the spirit of prophecy. That's what angels do. They're always, always pointing you to Jesus. Well, as we head to communion this morning, I want you to think about something with me. Angels are magnificent creatures and can teach us many good things. They are created beings. Jesus is far, far superior to the angels, but nonetheless, the angels can teach us many good things. I don't know if we'll have time someday, but I'd like to do an entire message just on this subject. What we can learn from the angels. I want to give you three small examples that will lead us into communion. I just want you to think about this. There's many good things we can learn from angels. Number one, angels do exactly what God tells them to do. They don't debate with him. They don't question him. They don't sit around debating, hair-splitting theology. They do whatever God tells them to do, and they do it. Number two, angels are ready to immediately obey when God speaks. They don't look at their calendars. They don't wonder if it's going to fit into their schedules. They're immediately ready to obey God. I don't know about you. I love that. I love that. And third, third, angels show us what genuine worship looks like. So many passages of scripture where they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is God. The Lord of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. But I want us to go into communion thinking of one passage. Revelation 5 verses 11 and 12. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And folks, I believe every time we share communion together, every time we partake Of the Lord's Supper. This is what we should be singing in our hearts and minds. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength. And honor and glory and praise. Oh what the angels teach us. At this time we are going to share the Lord's Supper together. If you're visiting with us this morning. What we're going to do is one of our deacons will pray for the bread and the cup. The deacons will hand out the bread and cup together. They will be in a little, uh, they'll be stacked together. And when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of scripture and we will eat together. Then I will read another passage of scripture and we will drink together. If you're watching by live stream this morning, uh, while the deacons are serving communion, we encourage you to use this as an important time of meditation and reflection. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.